It's my great pleasure to be able to be here this morning to share God's word with you. And I appreciate that you are here, whether you've tuned in online or come here in person, we are together the body of Christ. And the encouragement we have in being together is a part of what God has called us to as his people. Actually living out and being the family that God's made us to be as, as part of his kingdom. Today we're going to be looking at uh, the first few chapters of the book of 2 Corinthians. So if you have your Bible or open your device to see that, we're going to look between uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3. It's been a great blessing to me the last few weeks in just um, reading over and over this, these passages, uh, these chapters, and finding how God has um, called me to just share with you today. That's my privilege, just to just share with you what you have access to, and that's God's word. <clears throat> We're gonna look in, in what I hope we will see and find in these chapters is that Paul talks a lot about the confidence that he has, and we're gonna look at uh, what he has to say about where his confidence is placed and why. So the book of uh, 2 Corinthians is a letter written to the believers in Corinth in response to some challenges. Some things had gotten back to Paul about what they were hearing about Paul, about himself. And so he wrote in part to clear up that issue. There were false teachers who <clears throat> were challenging Paul's integrity and his authority as a minister of the gospel. And so the faith of those, or those believers in the church in Corinth was being shaken. Some were beginning to doubt, well, if we can't trust Paul, then what do we know really about the truth of who Jesus was? The issue, one of the issues was that Paul in his travel plans, um, you know, he was doing his missionary journeys around in the region near and about Corinth, and so he had plans to visit them twice but those plans were changed, and now he was only going to come once. And that was all it took for the uh, people who wanted to discredit him to say, see, you can't trust him. You can't trust Paul. He said he was going to come twice, he's only coming once. Listen, when I read that, I thought, well, that's, that's really nothing. That's a, that's a small thing. But here's the truth. Satan doesn't need much to discourage you and to defeat you and to, to rob your joy and to steal the faith that you have placed in Jesus or to cause doubt. Any small lie will do. And this was the case here in Corinth, just something seemingly inconsequential for us in all the hundreds of years distant, we think, really? That was it? He just was gonna cancel or change some plans? But that was enough because they were struggling with the confidence that they needed to have in who Jesus was. So his plan <clears throat> was to see them twice, to go see them in Corinth on his way to Macedonia and then come back again on his way back. But they, they were disappointed that he wasn't gonna make that plan true. They were only gonna see him once. But let's look in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 18, where Paul is responding to this. 
because there's some fabulous truths about who God is captured in his response to the Corinthians there. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting with verse 18, but as surely as God is faithful, listen, he's just explaining, this is, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings that I'm not going to come to you twice, but here's the truth, as surely as God is faithful, because plans change, life is unpredictable, uncertain, boy, we know that, soon as we start to think that we, that, that things are smoothing out with our pandemic, we realize, mm, hold off, don't make those plans just yet, <laughs> right? God knows what he's doing with us, but it's been a challenging time. Plans change, life is uncertain, but Paul is enforcing and pressing in to say, but you can have confidence. He says, for our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus, and the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Isn't that a beautiful promise? The promise is that no matter how many promises God has spoken, and he has given us many, many good things in his word through faith in Christ, but no matter how many, they they are all coming true in Christ. They are all yes, and through him the amen is spoken by us. God is faithful. He has always been faithful. And it is on this certainty that we base our confidence and say amen to the glory of God. This is our participation. This is you and I agreeing with what God is doing. He's at work building his kingdom. We get to participate. He chooses to use us. He doesn't need us. And yet he does because it's by his design and plan that we participate in the work of God's grace in the world. And so our part is the amen. Now, you know, we say a prayer and we all, somebody prays and we all say amen together and it just seems like, just close it up, right? But really, amen is a powerful word. It means, let it be so. It means, I agree. I see who you are, God. I hear what you're saying to me, and I'm choosing to cooperate with you. I'm choosing to say, let the Holy Spirit move in me. Have your way with me. I'm going to agree. And it's when we do that, that the glory is given to God. The amen is spoken by us through Christ, and the glory goes to God. That's an act of faith, and that's a participation. That's our participation in the gospel, in the power of it, in the presence of it. The life-changing hope, the gospel, is the truth that God is changing the world through Jesus in each life, in each amen being spoken. And so I'm going to read that phrase again, and I want you to join me in the amen. Say it. Let it be. Let it be so, Jesus. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him we say, amen. That's right. Let it be so. Now this takes us to the next few verses 
that are where we find such equipping foundational power for who we are, where our confidence can be placed. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 21 and 22, it says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Who, who is that? It's the God of the promises. Remember all the promises, that faithful God. Is it Paul? Is it the best online preacher you've discovered during COVID? No, is it the person with the popular podcast? Is it the people you, whoops, is it the people you like? No, it is God who makes both us and, and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Do you see how God just takes care of all the things? He, he bought us. He, he owns us, and he stamped us with that seal. Like, we are marked with the Spirit of God, and he placed more money down to guarantee the hope and the future that you have in Christ. That is a powerful... Okay, I'm going to leave those there. That is powerful good news. Who you are is dependent only on the faithful power of God. Here's what it says. Here's some of what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, another great place to find more about the sufficiency of Christ. It tells us that God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in heaven in Christ Jesus so that his grace could be expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus so that none of us could boast or be discouraged by our own failure or defeated by Satan's effort to destroy you or plunged into despair by grief or loss because none of what we are living out in response to the gospel is based on who we are. It's all based on Christ. When you have nothing, when you're, you're, you feel lost, at a loss, know that this is exactly where God's met you, where he's brought you, where he wants you so that all of who you are is dependent upon him and the name you have in Christ, who you are, what you can be and do. God can keep you in Christ. Cling to him. Sit with him. Listen to him. Be loved and challenged by his great love for you, my friends. That is the place where God wants to bring us, wanting more. I have one little issue that I have when it comes to things I can't really handle well, and that's uh, perfumes, certain scents. I smell a lot of candles before I buy one, and most of them, I, they sort of affect my brain strangely, I think. I buy a lot of unscented things, but I do like some smells. Many times, Steve and I have been in an auditorium or a theater, and after just a minute, I have to, we have to move. He hates it. But I, I get this headache. I can't think straight. It really sort of just something's hammering on my head. We had some house guests. They just left this morning for young ladies. And um, the other night, we were going out to spend some time sitting in our beautiful backyard in the evening where you know the mosquitoes are out. So we were spraying down our exposed arms and legs. And one of the girls used this spray I've never smelled, and she did it in the house. And so when we were done, it came inside, whoo, 
Everywhere she went, every time I went through the family room, there was this smell. It was eucalyptus lemon, which sounds okay, but it was powerful. And, and she kind of had a little cloud <laughs> around her. I don't know, it was coming off her, out of her pores. But the whole evening, we, we had it in the house with us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, turn to that next chapter, Paul describes how he had made plans to visit those Corinthians, and they were changed, and that's happened to all of us. We're going to be telling our grandchildren uh, the plans that we had made in 2020, the things we were going to do, the places we were going to go. Whatever it might have been, we've all had our life changed in the last year or more. There have been other times when everything changed. The day you received a phone call, the loss, the betrayal, the realization you're not where you thought you'd be by this time of your life, or you're not with who you thought you'd be with. Life surprises and challenges us. Plans change. Can we be confident even then, even in times like we find ourselves in today? Looking back to chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, starting in verse 8, this is what it says. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Paul's hardships were so life-threatening that he regarded his survival and recovery uh, as tantamount to being raised from the dead. What confidence do we have when we're in the very darkest places of our lives, when life has changed, when we're struggling? Here's what we know. Back to chapter 2, verse 14. After Paul says, look, I didn't change my plans without thought and consideration of you, my friends. And here's what he said. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. In the Roman victory parades, incense was burned in celebration of the defeat of Rome's armies. In that way, people could both see and smell the fragrance and the evidence of a captured foe as it passed by. Paul describes God's use of his willing captives, us, his people, Christians, in a similar way. He uses us to spread the fragrance of the gospel down every street he takes us on. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. This is good news. And how do we get there? What produces that scent, that aroma? It's the the struggle. It's the hardship. It's persecution. It's facing challenges and allowing God to see us through them. This produces a fragrance so that when we walk into a room and we leave, 
Others are blessed. Others see Jesus in us. Others sense the peace that we're living in. The, the confidence that we have, even though we're struggling. Listen, it's not a sin to, be, to suffer or to go through grief and loss. And, and it's, it should be a long journey. It's not a quick, easy fix because you know Jesus. Life is a struggle. And it's a journey. But in and, and, and through it, God is faithful, and we can testify to that faithfulness. And that is part of the aroma that God gives and creates in us and through our lives. Now, the first three verses, the first verses of chapter 3 say this. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. This is Paul's response to the detractors, the false teachers in Corinth, who were saying, look, Paul didn't even come with a letter of authority. We don't even know where he came from. Are you sure? Look, he doesn't even have credentials. But Paul is the one who led them to Christ. Paul didn't come with that letter of recommendation so they were using that as an excuse to cast doubt upon his character. But here, Paul points them back to the reason for their hope and their faith. You show, he says, that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, and not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. God is writing his letter of faith and faithfulness on your heart. He has set a seal of ownership upon you. He has anointed you. He has placed a guarantee for your hope in your future. This is where our confidence comes from. He has written these things on our hearts. Verse 5 then in chapter 3 says, Not that we are competent, in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence and confidence, I'm inserting, comes from God. Now, before we close, we're going to look back at chapter 1. There's a whole section starting with verse 3, verses 3 through 7, that tell us about comfort, the comfort that we receive. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, Paul says, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Listen, Paul had just come through something so far beyond his ability to endure, he knew death was imminent. But as a result, in verse 9, it says he stopped relying on himself, his own strength, resources, relationships, connections, or possessions. And he learned to rely on God who raises the dead. He understood from his personal experience those exact struggles, those weaknesses, those, the, the terrifying, imminent loss of life that he faced. He learned through those things that God was the God of resurrection power when he experienced that kind of suffering. You see, we know it, but then we know it when we've walked through it, when we've tested it, when we've pushed against that wall and we find that it's firm and it's going to hold, it will keep us. Our foundation is solid because of who God is, because of his faithfulness and what he's done through Christ. This is the very heart of what, what victory in Christ is and what it requires 
And what you need, what I need, is that kind of awareness and confidence in who Jesus is. Then in chapter 1, verse 10, he has, Paul said, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. And on him we have set our, our hope that he will continue to deliver us. They used verbs in, uh, back in the Greek much better than we do, because he's saying, do you hear it? In the past tense, in the, in the present tense, and in the future tense, God is all faithful in all those things. He has delivered us. We know he has. He's delivered you, right? We see through God's word and the testimony of the saints through since the beginning of time that God has been faithful, faithful to his word, faithful to his character, faithful to you and to me. You know how he's been faithful to you. You've heard others share of how he has been faithful to, to them in ways you haven't experienced yet. And we know that God is delivering us now. This is the ongoing delivering that we need. There's a once, there's an ongoing. And then there is the confidence we have and the hope that he will continue to deliver us. He will continue to deliver us into the future, into the unknown, into the uncertainty that we live in and have been. Right? Are you tired of the uncertainty? Some days I think I'm at my last nerve with like not knowing if next week or next month is going <laughs> to what's God doing for goodness sakes why can't we get through it in his good time and for his good purpose and he will see us through he has always been faithful following that what comes next is we will give thanks for God's gracious favor and answer the prayers of many. That's what it says in that next verse. We give thanks to God for his gracious favor in answer to the prayers of many. You know all the times that God has delivered you. He is and he will. He promises to. As we support and, and, and encourage each other by our prayers. So I want you to think about that this week the comfort that we receive from Christ because he has written that on our hearts. Like when you're struggling, you know, go into God's word. Sit with it, find it, lean in because this is between you and him. How deep he wants you to go in his, to know his love, to be confident in his power to keep you, his faithfulness to you. This is, a, this is a, a reminder that the struggle we have is a reminder of how God wants to meet you. The Father of compassion and the God of all comforts wants to bring comfort to us this morning. God's faithfulness to you in bringing you through suffering in the past is the aroma, the life-giving aroma in your life of the comfort of God to others. There's a beautiful aroma of faith and hope based firmly on the confidence we have in Christ here this morning. We're going to close with just a, a time of prayer together today. And while I close in prayer, I want you to be praying and make note of praying, giving thanks to God for the struggles in your life that have given you the aroma of God's grace and faithfulness to share with those that you meet and come into contact 
come into contact with reminding you to give thanks to God for that because it's your prayers that, that release the aroma and that bring God the glory as we agree and speak the amen. Let it be so. So pray this week for Brian and Leanne, for the Vieira family. Pray for those who, like Paul, are suffering for their faith. There are many, many around the world, our brothers and sisters in Christ, who put their lives on the line because they choose to follow Jesus, to even speak the name, to own a Bible, to be bold with their faith to their own family members. These are challenges other parts of the world are facing. We can pray for them. Because God has delivered, he is delivering, and he continues to deliver us today. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, thank you God, for your faithfulness to bring out of all the struggle that we've had in our lives, all the things that we've faced, the valleys and the mountains, the challenges, the losses, Everything that, that each individual here, each thing that we've experienced, God, is a part of what you're using to make us unrepeatable in your kingdom, to bring into our lives something that you can, you can only do through us at this place in this time and with the influence that we have given to us by you. God, help us to see that and to hear it to have confidence and boldness, to step out in faith, to trust you, to know that our foundation is firm, that nothing can move us because you are the one. You're the faithful God with all the promises. You have called us, chosen us, anointed us, and set that seal of ownership upon us, God. And it's from that deep and powerful place of confidence that we want to um, live with joy and victory in every day and every moment. So God, equip us and fill us and help us to be more keenly aware of the power of your love for us. And we pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.